Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of CCC Talks with Marco Lachlan and the Cloud Credential Council. Now, today we were joined by Gayatri Sirori, who is a director of engineering at Viva Telecom and is leading product and strategic initiatives at Viva. Now, as an executive team member uh, at Viva Telecom, you have helped grow the company's revenue significantly since 2017. Always a good thing to be doing. Gaifi, thank you for joining us on CCC Top. Gaifi, tell us a little bit about what you do. First of all, thank you for having me on the podcast. I have uh, listened to some of the recent episodes and uh, your work in the space of digital transformation is coming. You've done an all over the way. I ate from IoT and AI and blockchain. When yes. you the, uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, at Gurvila, I'm a part of the product and strategy team. My team owns our engine measurement solutions, our IoT products, and enterprise software solutions. And uh, we are Bolivia as a company, we provide network technology solutions for our customers. Yes. Good, good. So, um, I guess when we look at IoT, we'll talk a little bit more about IoT and the communications because they, they go together. You can't have one without the other. But um, so in the telecom space, you know, I, from what we see globally, telecoms is heavily involved in IoT, the Internet of Things. So, what type of solutions are you developing at Verviba? You know, first of all, what solutions are you developing, and then what are the problems or the opportunities they're trying to address? So, as telecom, you rightly said, uh, telecom and IoT go hand in hand. I like to say that telecom is the backbone because unless you are able to connect. Uh, to that device, it's not really uh, a part of Internet of Things. So, yeah. as a company, our focus has always been working on solutions that enable connectivity. So, uh, our, we have always uh, worked on solutions that improve efficiency, that enable connectivity, so that a network deployment and maintenance and monitoring is uh, it's optimized. Now, coming to the IoT solution that we have, we have a product that monitors the physical health of the app. It could be as much tilt or hold. So, how the antenna is moving, moving. so antenna movements is something we monitor and run some predictive analysis on it. I think that's very interesting. And is it a case, I mean, for somebody like yourselves, I would imagine that you have to heavily invest in something like IoT. It's not something that telecom, the networks have done in the past, say, past 20, 30, 40 years. It's only recent now in the last 10 years as device capability has gotten smaller. Mm -hmm. and networks have gotten better. Well, wireless networks have gotten better. So is your industry having to invest significantly in your IoT capabilities and what you might be doing with that before you even go to market with, uh, with any solution? I think there is investment and significant investment. Somehow with a lot of awareness uh, about IOB, people have simplified it to another level. Like yeah. you just buy something off Amazon and automate your dashboard. And so it seems very easy, but there's a lot of research and development used into building systems that are highly accurate and moderate. So yes, there is a heavy speed of that. And um I want to drill in a little bit more in a moment about um, how you might use these, but you mentioned something there. I want to stay up for a moment, awareness. Mm -hmm. um, 
are customers going to companies like Verviva and say, we want to do something in IoT, help us, what solutions do you have? Or is that not the language? Um, are, they, are they coming to you saying, we've got, you know, challenges, how can you help us? They nobody ever looks for an IoT solution in that type of language, do they? No, not really. Actually, you are coming up with products and ideas and I had to your better words with, uh, hey, this is what we believe in helping. Yeah, yeah. And then, again, tell me a little bit, so bandwidth, so IoT is fairly recent in the IT space itself. A, because uh, these sensors and these uh, devices are so small now as well. We've got technology that can make ones that, but, you know, from a size perspective. But the other thing that developed recently is the 4G, 5G network satellite communications. And so with bandwidth being so important, so I wanted to ask you about 5G. 5G is popping up around the world now. Is 5G a requirement for IoT or those typical IoT devices run over 4G or even 2G? Is, is that possible? For old G, whatever we want to call it. Uh so one thing I want to clarify is what every single IoT application requires time to like you, like you said, we've been using IoT for the last few years now. It's been running smooth on LT, sometimes even GSM. So uh, I think 5G is going to enable more experiences, but yeah. it is very application specific. So the technology requirements, if your application is not very data intensive or it doesn't require low latency or other latency, you can still work on 5G. But with that said, 5G is going to change this landscape like you know, be it in the form of these uh, high definition videos that you're transmitting or, you know, uh, applications, especially in healthcare and medicine. I think 5G is going to enable be uh, a lot more application in that space. Quick, we've heard it here first. It's it's a indicate scoop. Behind cable revolutionize the IoT experience, I guess. Which yes. is then, you know, as soon as you've done 5G, it'll be 6G or whatever, and we'll be on to that. But um, so there's some interesting facts with IoT. You know, from a sensor perspective, yes, you can run it over almost a DSM network or an old, older network. They're still around. They still exist, and that's okay. Um, but then, as you said, we, if you're getting into video, HD, uh, maybe security, IoT, you don't just get the alarm, you get the video, what's happening with the alarm. Uh, maybe that's something of interest to a lot of organizations. But more interestingly, we have heard before IoT mentioned with um, health. Mm -hmm. I think, as you said, it could be a game changer. We've come to, we're coming through COVID, uh, significant health challenges. There were... Last year, we, we came across a few use cases of organizations springing up with um, IoT sensors uh, for people. Now, again, it's, you know, uh, an oxygen uh, meter that connects them to a health service. So they only go to people that were drops below a threshold, mm -hmm. which is fine. So if everyone else is fine, they're okay until they're in trouble. But what you think me there was the next evolution of that might be also... Um, a, a monitoring system feeding back a video feed of that patient as well. So not only are you getting the the biometrics mm -hmm. uh, of the health status, but you're also getting a physical view. It's just a true camera, but you're pushing that definition down. And maybe if they need assistance that instead of them going to the doctor or the health provider, they get a call 
from, you know, the health provider, but all the systems are there. They can just plug them in and you can check heart monitor. Uh, you can monitor all the, the vital signs, just, just like that. But I would imagine you need 5G for that type of, um, experience, especially with the video. But I think that's where we're going from a social perspective, isn't it? Never mind the corporate view of IoT, but from um, a human factor, is not a big play for IoT as well. It is. And I want to uh, elaborate into the use case that you mentioned on healthcare a few years ago, I believe two or three years ago. There was a demonstration about remote surgery and uh, how it can be. Was, uh, it was about how it could be done with 5G. And I yeah. think. Uh, that could be another game changer. Although uh, there, there, it will be time to build confidence uh, with masters with that kind of technology. But I believe that will be one thing that it might take it enable. But it does still long way to go. I would. It is, but I think that's that's where we're probably going. So from um, I guess the human factor, that's a great way to go from a corporate space. The world, you know, whatever you want, we can develop, which is really good. Um, I had seen some of that, and there is that confidence thing. While I'm a big, you know, promoter of IoT, would I want to be under the surgeon <laughs> somewhere else using all these sensors? I, I'm not sure, but sometimes, you know, that's what that, that's where it's going to go. Now, having said, um, most organizations don't pick up the phone and, you know, dietary, we want some IoT solution, help us, please, you know? And so I would imagine that. You know, organizations like for Viva and Telecom, you're helping customers, whether they're new or whether they're prospects or whatever. I think you're help. I, I do, do help them understand how they might use IoT. Uh, do you invest time to understand their problems and then develop solutions or to say, hey, we've got things here that if we did this, would go there, you know, would, would achieve things. So are, are you finding that that's a big, uh, I bet time commitment or investment that Reviva are putting in. Yes, because with IoT, it's not about just a product or a device that you're deploying. It's about the students. It's about what problem you're solving. Yes. So uh, that is a big part of uh, our here. That if you deploy with certain device, what is it going to enable? So you are always trying to look into things, right? Either you're trying to enable something new, add new value to the program, or bring yeah. in some kind of cost or time efficiency. So of course. we have presenting or pitching any kind of INOP solution. I think both or one of them has to make sense to the customer to buy a new basically. So it's very important to have to, to understand what, it's not just the product, it's about what application it has and what I'm trying to solve. Yes. So the good approach for uh, you know, an, an organization thinking about IoT, based on what I'm hearing there, am I hearing correct that a good approach is if they go to an organization, if that organization starts talking about IoT and devices, they're probably gone to the wrong organization. That that IoT group should forget about the words IoT and all this stuff and talk about what's your problem, how do we deal with it, let's listen to you. And then let's see what we have that might fix things. So is that the way is, or to get the customer to stop talking and looking for IOT, but looking to providers to say, help us, here's a problem. We can help you understand that you help us, how you can fix it with your solution. Is that the right approach to go? Always. Like, 
start with a problem statement. It's, it's always said, right? Start with the end in mind. So start with a problem statement that you're trying to solve. Because when you're trying to deploy IoT, it's not only relevance. It's the data that you collect. It's all the intelligence that you bring to the table from all this data you're gathering from devices and also adding more intelligence to adding external data sets. Yeah. So I think it's, it is all about solving that problem, not just about the device. So I think, yeah, sage advice for our listeners that they're interested in IoT is probably maybe understand what IoT is in the general sense, but when you're going looking for, you know, help to see is it an option, probably don't start with IoT as a solution. Start with the problem mm-hmm. and then see what the answers are. And some of them might be IoT, some of them might not, but generally... I think the way the market's going, there will always be something now that can, should we have Alexa in our houses now? We have all these smart assistants, smart clubs, and all sorts of things. I'm not convinced we already need, but we have them when we use them and they deliver some value to people that get value out of those. So once we're now in that consumer sense, I think there's got to be solutions for customers of business. Absolutely. Before, I think the farming industry is is an amazing test bed for all of this stuff, for everything it can do. And um, our mantra, and we, we, may, we may look at that in a moment. But um, just in general terms now, without giving away trade secrets, because we're, we're not looking for that. But in general terms, how did you help grow the Verviva business with IoT and connectivity devices? Was it always having, understanding the market and creating for that? Was it innovation and making mistakes? Was it just being right or was it look or a combination? So you always want to always be right when that doesn't happen. So we what we went for was for at the peak of NT deployments in 2010. So I think to all our offerings, like I said before, are about enabling connectivity. They will our services range from, you know, build, operate, optimize, and monitor the networks. So two drivers, first one, uh, technology itself, because in last decade, as we've seen, there has been a tremendous change and change in how we as users use the wireless and a lot of change on the technology from the operator side. So that is the huge driver in e-deployment, 5G deployment. And second one is our approach. Uh, it's always been improving efficiency and we have some innovative ways into that, I think so. These are the two key drivers, I would say. That's, that's, that's fantastic. And I always like to think with innovation, with innovation and a winning terrible world where it just come failure. It's then we, we caveat that with it's not failure if we learn from it. Yeah. It's learning. So what I imagine that um, your journey and Vervibus has involved a lot of learning along the way. Would that be a good way? <laughs> But Absolutely, yes, that is true. <laughs> well, I think that's good because you're not going to, IoT is interesting in so far as, like we said earlier, um, you know, you don't start with the technology. You start looking for a problem. and then mm-hmm. you're ready. So you're kind of working backwards to go forwards. And not every problem is going to be solved by something that we're talking about. Um, some will, some won't. And that's where the innovation is. And that's where I think if you find that the path we're going down isn't the right path. We stop and do something else. That to me is called learning as well. And that's okay, I think, isn't it? That is correct, actually. And not every problem could be solved with the same approach. So you have to 
be innovative and be agile and see where you are going next. And, and if I follow that into the customer's mindset, because customers tend not to like to fail, I, would, I don't mean that in a bad sense. They pro- sometimes I like to innovate either because it can be expensive. Because they see, we spent, I don't know, a million euros or dollars or whatever on this project and it didn't deliver. Well, that's probably better than buying a bad solution for 10 million that isn't going to deliver, you know? So do, do you find customers have an open mindset to innovating, even though it, it's risky to innovate and it's expensive, it can be, but if you do it cleverly, it doesn't have to be overly risky and it doesn't have to be over expensive. Are they open to that and, and that kind of mindset with you and exploring what might happen? So I think uh, I want to take back and answer it in two steps. First one is customers, when, see, when you're in the meeting, you have to be extremely agile. You have to look at where you're going. And if you monitor that closely, you can yes. avoid expensive mistakes. There will be mistakes, but you can avoid them at once. It, yes. Second yeah. one is uh, most of the times this innovation and this cycle where you're learning, it's internal uh, for the organization. So it's not necessarily visible to the customer before you launch any application or solution. There's power for a few years that goes behind it. So that might not be even visible to the customer. So at least in our case, it's all once the solution is completely defined and ready to go. That's where we launch it or present it to the customer. So it's all that is visible for us. That's good because from a solution provider perspective, it de-risks that view to the market because you're not the market doesn't see your customers don't see all the innovation and everything you've had to do behind the scenes but equally if it's, you could advise your customers that you'll do the same with them so when they go to their customers ultimately with a solution that will be the one for the market not mm-hmm. the twin prototypes in in and around and as you said manage costs manage it well so that you control the cost but you drive innovation i think that that's a key thing now, Within IoT, um, IoT, like, I'll just but maybe IoT, maybe nothing without data. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so, okay, I'm okay with that one. So, I'll just use another term. What's your approach, I guess, to big data? Uh, you know, managing that whole big data thing, organizing it, trying to understand it, and then turning it into something sensible. Because what we know from IoT is it will sense everything you want it to. It will feed it into database or data lakes or whatever. But that's all in structure, just just bits and pieces. So how do you go from that into managing, organizing, understanding, and figuring something sensible out from all of this data that's collected? So I'm really glad that you asked for this question because the one thing that we wanted to like is and especially with the engineering mindset, we want when we start with any prototype, we want this humongous data coming in, which is piling up and it's kind of exciting. But when you're working on applications uh, with such large number of devices, then one has to be very mindful about the data. So there, there's two ends of the spectrum. First one is your you're getting only critical data, which is very important. Otherwise, and technically, enough for the spectrum is you're connecting data every second, every minute. So it is very important that some, you find a golden zone based on your application and skills and predict the right amount of data. Because otherwise, you're just connecting a lot of data and that, is, that may not have value necessarily yeah. to your application. 
So I think that is something that one has to experiment and optimize. There's no right answer. You can start from either end, but there's the, this golden zone that you have to come to and collect the right amount of data. So yeah, there's an element of collecting it, making sense of it, learning it, uh, getting something of value from it. Um, the organizations, I guess, understand um, that that's another part of IoT, the, the data part that, you know, they get these lovely centers to doing something with it, but then there's either investment or there's a setup or the understanding of relating the data and then reporting that into this changes somebody's life somehow or somebody's business somehow. Do they understand that or do you have to, is that part of an education piece that you help customers with? All these other bits, I think, because I think IoT doesn't exist on its own. Mm-hmm. Even all these other technologies, big data being one of them, cloud and lots of other different things for it to, even networks, mm-hmm. but it works. So I think from our side, I'll just give you an example on how we uh, made sense of data. We started with, you know, basic analytics, like, uh, reporting, drill data, and you know, I have reports. And yeah. then you add this analytical majority into your system. Then you start doing more forecasts. Then you start doing predictive model optimization. So I think that's how we planned on this analytical majority cycle. But starting with basic reporting, drill data. And then when you add external data sets, uh, you have, you can basically bring it. Great. That's the uh, approach. And to me, this brings whatever the customer is doing to their customers up the value chain because, you know, and I think for some customers, it takes them a while to change their mindset as to with IoT, you know, we may not necessarily be out anymore collecting the data and, you know, have humans looking and doing this stuff. They're now having their role becomes, well, part of the role becomes analyzing the data and reports and drilling into that and then figuring out what does that mean? Where's the value? How are we doing? How does it make us differentiate? How does it make our customers differentiate in the market or do something different or do something their competitors are? And it's not a value add for them. It's not going up that value chain, I guess, in the organization that um, IoT helps them deliver a more valuable service. So it becomes more important. For sure. I think, um, I think that's often missed in the conversation with IOT that sometimes again, it goes back to the technology. It goes back to the devices and the sensors and everything like that. And they're missing the biggest part of it, which is go look at the data, go get some, you know, the data scientists and go figure out how you get structure from unstructure mm-hmm. and find that value because you have the information. But it can be information overload for others, the analysis paralysis, mm-hmm. I guess, can kick in sometimes. Now, um, that's that people get excited about IoT. Some people get too excited about the technology. Some people don't know what it can do. But there's something interesting in the name of Verviba. Uh-huh. And, well, tell me, uh, Viva, I believe, means something. So how would uh, you remind me what, what it what it's means or stands for? So it's basically the right from the 17th century French world. So it's energy, vitality, or spirit of enthusiasm. And I think it perfectly describes us as a team and how we open it here. Spirit of enthusiasm. I think that's fantastic. And, but I think that's a perfect name 
for doing something like IoT and connectivity solutions and, and everything like that. Because if you weren't a serious about it, you would not be finding solutions to problems that we don't know we have at the moment. So I think that's great. Um, I wanted to, as I said earlier on, IoT doesn't exist on its own in isolation. You need IoT, you need networks, you need big data storage, you need cloud services these days because of the intensity of it. Um, from your perspective, and again, in as much as you can tell without giving away the trade secrets, um, do you rely on, say, public cloud providers, a few of the common ones, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, maybe vendor like an IBM or something, do you rely on them for backend services or not at all that you look after that yourself, maybe a more traditional way or in, in a private cloud perspective? Well, we do rely and we do use one of these uh, service providers. I think they have created excellent offerings in terms of device management or even some pieces for analysis. And they have very good uh, computing engines stored technology. So we do leverage that. Sometimes it is doing the, especially the device management piece, which needs to be very robust. Could be like reinventing the week if you were to do it from scratch again. You so <laughs> leverage uh, the existing infrastructure and things. And, and that's the pro and the con, the benefit and the disadvantage of using, say, public cloud provider. You get what they provide. And sometimes they change, sometimes they don't, but that's okay. But, um, um, I think the important thing there is for likes of an IoT solution provider, you don't need to build a backend. That's a that's a promise of cloud. And you're just leveraging what's already there and building your apps and your capability on top of that. So A, it cuts down your cost, your capital, all the good things about cloud. And it gives you solutions that you use that uh, probably put in at better cost points if you're trying to do it yourself. So like that, IoT doesn't exist on its own and in its own and of its own. <laughs> and then um, a lot of, say, intermediate providers using these clouds, they're, they're, they're good out there. If I look at the um, services you provide them, so from a customer perspective, they're looking at service, they're looking at trying to generate value. You're providing a service trying to deliver value. How do customers measure a quality of service from, say, an IoT solution? Um, KPI. So what's the quality of service that they, because I think IoT requires, let's say, one thing it requires is the network connectivity. So there's a quality of service in the network. That's your, that's a core thread and butter for you. But also there's a quality of service on what it does and how it does. So maybe look at quality of service first, and then I'll drill into KPIs in the moment. So how should, how, how, how should that be measured? Or is any, any, I guess, considerations for that? Uh, so it is, again, IoT, everything I believe is really specific. So for example, if you have a device which is going to be always on, which needs to be extremely then the language is something that you have to have. Then if you are working on some high accuracy devices, then you would want to have higher accuracy for the data that you're collecting, or the higher the sensitivity of any sensors that you so I think it is very much case specific and reliability, uh, like not only battery life, but the device life itself and what kind of accuracy or really to the data. I believe those three uh, are some of the KPIs that we could look at. 
I guess the key thing there, reliability, that's, that's actually quite interesting because I'm sure you've got reliability of the device itself. Mm -hmm. And the reliability of the sensors in the device, perhaps, because if you have bad chips and they fail, the device fails. And reliability of connectivity. Mm -hmm. And now, as you said, even, even in, you know, a single country, you may have pockets of 5G, then it goes into 4G. Then sometimes you're back into DSL. <laughs> so you, even though you can say we can have 5G availability, you probably don't want to offer that in places where there isn't 5G. So the customer needs to understand this, that there can be drop downs in connectivity, but will that or won't that affect the service mate? You know, maybe I think it's important for the customer to understand that, that like what we said earlier on, if you've got a sensor that can work on a GSM network, but you want to push uh, HD video through that. 5G will do it, but if that device is on, I don't know, and then farming equipment that travels into a 4G or 3G network, we drop off the video. So you don't get quality. We can't guarantee that. So it's as important for you to make sure that you cover that in your contracts and explain that to the customer, isn't it? Yes, it's more of education uh, because, you know, like we were discussing about application, right? There's always the bright side of uh, everything that can happen. And mm -hmm. some things of, you know, what may not be possible. I think it's a part of educating uh, not only your customers, but also your users. That's I think that's a big part, you know, for customers to go and look for organizations that are willing to help and educate them mm -hmm. rather than just sell them equipment and devices and things. It's not a differentiator in an IoT provider that somebody willing to educate them as much as anything else. Good. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to ask a um, serious question. You're going to talk everybody's topic, security, privacy. Uh, we've seen breaks, hacks, everything the last couple of years and, and beyond. Um, now, not that IoT is less secure. That's not necessarily the case. But um, what, do you have any views when it, you know, from a recommendation on what people should think about from securing IoT devices? Are there any one or two basic recommendations that protect themselves from security, significant security problems? So one thing is security doesn't come at the end when you are ready to deploy. I think security, can, you have to think about it when you start building the yeah. Because most of the times when people think about security, they're talking about data in transit. But that is not enough. You have to secure your data. You also have to make sure you have enough isolation in your hardware. Then uh, you're, you have to have secure root if you're removing your devices. So I think security should start with the design phase and work only in the native stages where you're just trying to encrypt your data. I think that's important. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, experts in this field who will direct the uh, how to get started for all the beginning in security. And I think seeking help is important when you're, uh, especially if you are, if you have sensitive data or you are building devices for some critical applications. After you said we've got sensitive data or critical data. And the other thing I always throw in, if you're a business, it may not be, let's say, sensitive data, but it's sensitive to you if your competitors get it. Yeah. And I think they need to consider that the devices are great, but that rather than be hacked in the old way, I mean, their data could be 
exploited through an IoT device quite simply if it's not secured correctly. And in fairness to companies like yourself, you know, an organization may say, look, we're not willing to pay what we really need to do to secure this. Um, and they may cut corners themselves on there because you can only secure so much. But isn't there a reliance on the customer's end to do security themselves as well? So, uh, especially for the applications that we have, there's more no end user interacting with the product. So, since security mostly falls under the person who's deploying that application in such cases. So, right. in these cases, it's not because there's no user interaction as such. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Again, it's, I think you've got to look at all aspects of security. I think you need to draw a map. The endpoint, the start point, and everything in is, is, is exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then do you say, I think, um, I've seen, again, I'm not saying, you know, in the industry, some, some consumer products have come out to market that, uh, to make them, well, to make them more profitable and let's say less secure chips have been used over the years. So it's not one to watch out for as well, the level and the type and to work with a partner to make sure that the product is designed and spec to a security standard. Now, at the end of the day, if they want to make uh, changes to say your recommendation, isn't that a risk back on the business then that they must accept themselves because they're the ones changing the security specification from the experts? Sure. Good, good. So I want to watch that. The other thing though, uh, maybe quick one is privacy. So privacy of data, we've collected all this data. Um, there could be sensors on people or in houses or in whatever that is. So chances are some of these devices may collect, um, you know, that, that's the purpose of it, information on people. Um, but from a privacy perspective, so does that get a bit tricky? In Europe, there's GDPR, but mm-hmm. in the States, there's a different rule, different regulation. When data crosses over the Atlantic, you know, we're now in this strange scenario where um, they're trying to fix it. But if they do fix it, it means data can transfer over. Is privacy and uh, maintaining that a challenge or, um, again, are you, as far as your role is to educate your customers on how to deal with privacy and the challenges? So in this, uh, most of the times we do deal with uh, consumer information. So privacy is not a concern, but for privacy, I think anyone who's designing uh, any application around that. Getting the data that is required and not just because it's don't just like it's not it may not be right to collect everything that's available. I think one of them is the one one should connect that's a privacy concern. That way. Yeah. I love that. Don't collect everything because it don't leave it. <laughs> it creates a bigger security privacy headache for you. Just collect what you need and then dial it up later on. Um the big topic over the, over the last 10 years, agile, everything's gone agile and everybody's gone agile and every business wants to be agile and, and even in the project management space. So I'm sure you do a lot of product developments. There's mm-hmm. probably project management in there, probably waterfall agile, you know, but are you seeing agile has been the main approach for modern product development as opposed to the old traditional waterfall method? Um, so as it has been, uh, in my humble opinion, I think uh, Agile is better for some of uh, the product that maybe both Waterfall and Agile have uh, pros and cons. But with Agile, right now, your requirements are always changed. 
there are yeah. no inputs you receive from the customers. Sometimes you're learning from data and that is what is added to the requirements. So being quick, being quick to implement those has always been helpful. So in my opinion, it's uh, easy uh, for our kind of startups. Absolutely. Yeah. But can I ask, uh, very secretly, do you still use any waterfall um, project management type methods today in, in any projects or is it pretty much agile? It's pretty much agile. You're not uh, much into waterfall. I, I guess waterfall is going to be kept for building bridges, so. Yeah, you don't want to change the requirements of building your bridge halfway through. No, we want it over there now. But, but that's important. it's an important point to make that end. You know, I think when it's waterfall right on, it depends what suits the environment. Yes. You're in a very learning environment where you have to learn, you're getting input from customers, you're changing, you're trying to problem solve yes. as well as develop. So Agile does suit that very well, I think, uh, which, which is good. Um, you know, can you recommend to organizations say starting out one or two things they should consider how to get started? You know, do they just knock on the door and say, hey, we want to buy some IoT, let's do it. Or is there another better way to, to get started? I think, first of all, start with the end in mind. You're building an application, or just as money. And uh, apart from, it's not about solving the problem, because that's how you're going to convince your customers to buy your end. Yeah. Apart from key product recommendations like simplifying user experience or beautiful products, I have four points, especially for anyone. It's a constraint device and be aware of that for you. Sometimes you have limited space on the, sometimes you have cyber restrictions, battery restrictions. Although you want to increase battery life, you have weight restrictions, you can't have a heavy device. So I think be aware of those early on or is one, or even with the cost, because you can add. Bigger is better senses, but I'm going to read the boss commitments that you have with your person. Yeah. It's, it's a constraint space to be aware of it early on. Secondly, define the non negotiables for your device. Uh, especially, everything cannot happen over the air. So there are few things you have to have in the device before you uh, ship it. So I think those non negotiables that cannot be done with air, you define that and then those early on. Let's say your device uh, is not going to have any Google interaction. It's the remote rooted. It's what is the behavior after that. Yes. Negotiables for sure. Third one is uh, be mindful about data and we really discussed that. What data we're collecting and how much data you're going to be collecting. You get to optimizing that at some point. And the last is secure. Then you were discussing. It starts in the design phase. It just, you just don't bring in security concerns after everything is designed and left up. So I think. Those would be my supporters. I think that I, I think they're really good. I think it's really good to to focus people on on how to start. And again, sometimes as well, the very first one start with the, the the problem in mind. We even start with an open question as to what problem am, are we looking to solve, and maybe have a conversation with that. I'll find the use cases that companies like Perviva and others have done. You know, um, we're doing this now in this industry with these devices, and this is what it's doing. So to educate themselves as well, I think is, is as important, but I think they're really good. I love the security starts from the day one, from the day you, you, you pick up the phone, you've got to be thinking about 
security. And that even though cloud storage is very cheap, let's say, for all the data you're going to have, um, it goes back to that security and privacy. Not, it might be cheap to store, but it could be very expensive to, to address security and privacy for so much data. And then if it does leak, that's a bigger leak than if it was a small amount of data that, you know, was just related to and the non, non yeah, information, not about people, but just about things, maybe, you know, um, Gary, fantastic. I have a final question. Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to ask you to look into the, the crystal ball uh, and the question, you know, what is the future of communications with IOT? Wow. Uh, I think that I different than that. Uh, I think we are enabling in the interconnected society. It's changing how we care for our loved ones, our kids, our parents. Especially, uh, I have personally used uh, with my family the remote monitoring for lecture or athlete lecture with for managing that piece. So I think these small, these applications are really important and they, they're changing how we care for each other. Yes. There's oil and variables and it's, it's really important to realize how much, uh, I don't think it's enabling now and it, there's a, there's this huge paradigm shift. So definitely as a society, it's uh, changing a lot. And I'm personally, yeah, correct, you're saying something. Oh no, I was going to say, sorry. Um, uh, I, I think that's a fantastic final answer to the question insofar as, you know, you folks on the human side, the humanity side of the technology, mm -hmm. uh, not the corporate side, not the business side, but just the humanity side, which there'd be great, you know, uh, there's great uses in corporate and business and commercial and all that kind of stuff. But equally, there's the impact to society, which can only benefit uh, from this type of technology. And I think that's, that's um, the, the, to me, that, that that was a really key insightful into your mind as to, to where this is going from the human factor. And of course, you and Verviva, I'm sure, will be there on that journey, whether it's a commercial solution or a sociological solution, you know, that human uh, solution at the end of the day. I'm all for the human solutions because if they're going to help me, yeah, that's the whole point. So uh, I'll buy some of those in the future, I think. So, um, actually, we're going to finish up. And um, it's like, thank you so much for um, coming out today, telling us a little bit what you do, what Raviba is doing, and giving us some insights and some really good recommendations on uh, everything IoT. So, it remains for me just to say, Guy Tree thank you so much for joining us on CCC Talks today. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. It was wonderful talking to you. Thank you. Thank you.